Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pod. This is Hot Philosophy with Saya and Sky. Oh my gosh, Saya is cracking up right now. This is Sky. So I study economics and politics at Columbia in New York City. Hi, this is Saya. <laughs> I study chemistry at UC San Diego. So I think it's pretty obvious that Saya is not as enthusiastic about doing the podcast, but she's super happy to be here. All right. Okay. So you guys are like, why is this happening? Why is this a podcast? So Saya studies science and I'm, I don't even know, whatever, econ, poli sci, everything. But we both love philosophy and we definitely feel like it's not talked about enough. We just want to start this podcast because philosophy is awesome and we know we want to make it part of your everyday conversation. But also because we're just really good friends and this is an excuse for us to hang out. I love how you're saying you guys as if everyone listening isn't just people that clicked on your Facebook post about this (laughs) and everyone we know. Saya, um, no, no, you're underestimating our fan base. It's incredibly important. We went to the same middle school in eighth grade, and then she abandoned me for high school. And and we pretend the other person doesn't exist in between when we see each other. So, well, except for right now, this is honestly unprecedented. You've never talked to me this much in my entire life, which is kind of fun. Okay, Saya is underestimating her importance in my life. I would also like to add that I went to visit her this fall in San Diego. All right, Saya. What's your favorite memory from eighth grade? <laughs> like, literally, like <laughs> with you or in general? Like I, um, obviously uh, with me. Remember when your dad locked us out of your apartment for like five <sighs> hours, and then we had like a photo shoot in the park across the street from your house? Oh, oh my, my god. god! So in eighth grade, I was definitely a little too into the Insta. And there were several photo shoots. I would like to say if you visit Saya's Facebook page, you'll see a profile photo from one of those photo shoots. Okay, one of my favorite memories was forcing you to do cross country. Honestly, like that was pretty iconic. Oh my God, I totally forgot. And then it's like, yeah, Sky scores in like the top 10 of the county or whatever. And I'm like last. I remember when I got trampled? Do you remember that? (laughs) Saya fully like broke her ankle and had surgery. Getting to the actual point of this podcast is philosophy, right? So the idea for this podcast is to just take a pretty common or popular philosophical idea, break it down, and then apply it to something in the everyday and just bring philosophy to current events and have a, have a cool convo about it. So this week's topic, I think you won't be too surprised. It's coronavirus related. The topic is the ethics of emergency room triage. So triage is allocating scarce resources. And ethics is super important for this because when you're thinking of something like triage, that's life or death. And so you need some kind of grounding for the decision making process. And ethics is the code of right and wrong conduct. So Sai and I together are going to kind of run through the three main ethical schools and apply them to triage and try to come up with an answer. First school, consequentialism. This is the most common and popular way to address questions of triage. So what is it? It states that an action is morally right if and only if there's no other action that has better consequences. You're trying to maximize some outcome and always choosing consequences that lead to that. So in the case of, you know, emergency room triage, this would be something like doctors always choosing 
the decisions that would lead to an outcome, like maximizing the greatest number of lives saved or maximizing the most years of life saved. This is the most common approach taken in hospitals. But, you know, there's, there's a couple of questions with it. You know, who's deciding what should be maximized and like, how can you actually make this decision? That's asking humans to make these really intense, almost like godlike decisions about who lives and who dies. And again, if you're maximizing something like lives saved, people that might have underlying health issues could be discriminated against. So those are some issues. Saya, do you have any immediate thoughts on this one? Like, what do you think about this? Especially in Italy, I think there was a bunch of like interviews done with doctors and how it was weighing on them a lot because every single day they were deciding who lived and who died. And it was just like, they had to make split second decisions about things that are really serious. But again, it is the most widely adopted school of thought for this kind of thing. And I, there are, there's a reason for that as well. I I have to agree with Sai on that. It seems logical for this kind of thing to be chosen because, you know, it gives you a clear priority that seems logical maximizing lives but again there are there are those issues and imagine being a doctor and how gut-wrenching it would have to be to turn away someone from receiving adequate care so let's get through the other two and then we can really get into some debate on it so the second one is the Kantian or deontological approach Kant pretty famous guy he has a lot of ideas the main one that we want to think about for this is the categorical imperative so that's his word for a moral law and it has two key parts to it. The first is that it's unconditional for all agents and its validity doesn't depend on any further end. Okay, those were a lot of philosophical terms. Let's make that a little bit clearer. It basically just means that everyone has to keep it and it's a good thing to do in and of itself. And an example would be like, keep your promises. Everyone's got to do it and it's good because it's just inherently a good thing to do. So then Kant goes through like four different ways to understand this. And the one that we're going to think about is the formula for humanity. And the formula of humanity states that humanity, that's the objective end of the categorical imperative or the objective end for all our moral laws. So all of our moral laws should be guided by our respect for each individual. Just in simple terms, it means that we should treat other humans as inherently worthy of respect through our moral laws. So if we're applying this to consequentialism and that approach of maximizing lives saved, Kant would say this is totally in violation of moral laws because you'd be using individuals for maximizing a number of lives saved instead of treating each person with care. When you think about how this would look in medical terms, how it would look to be a Kantian, I think it'd be something like a lottery system or first come first serve because that grants every single person equal access and treats them as individuals worthy of respect. This is pretty appealing. It's an egalitarian system. Everyone gets access due to the fact that they're just humans worthy of respect. But then the question becomes, is this inefficient or is it even irresponsible? Because you could be allocating resources for someone that just doesn't have any chance of survival because they happen to win the lottery system and you could be sacrificing someone who does have a good chance because they lost the lottery system. Saya, give me some thoughts. In America, it's not as easy to apply these ideas because if we're really being real, like most of who lives and who dies and who has access to medical care is not 
decided by doctors. It's decided by like obviously policy and healthcare system. But like in Italy, it makes more sense to talk about this kind of thing because since everyone has access to healthcare, it really comes down to the doctors to decide who lives and dies. But most people in America don't even get there. Like, oh wait, Saya, Saya, even- you literally just brought up something so important. Okay. So one of the things I read was saying that all these people that are thinking about ethics, universally, we can all agree that wealth shouldn't be the determining factor. And yet in America, practically speaking, that's what actually does determine healthcare. That's what's so frustrating about all this is like, especially in America, wealthy wealth seems to be the determinant. Like you see it with all influencers and celebrities getting tested and the average person just can't. So again, when you think about like japan also it's a different story now that all the stats are coming in about who's dying it's very obvious that in america it's really wealth that determines who lives and who dies which is ridiculous it's a disease right but then like policy is also so important as we're seeing day by day everything unfolding like it's really policy that affects who lives and who dies in this situation really good point it's hard to discuss what we're discussing without choosing a specific country to focus on just because it varies so much how you would apply these things it's gonna be totally different in america versus like a japan or in italy there's so many issues like with policy that it's hard to distinguish like capabilities of the healthcare system and like who has access versus in japan you know there's like all this crazy stuff about how they're suppressing numbers. They don't want people to like stay at home. They're not really cracking down. So, but in terms of triage, I think you and I can both agree everyone is equal. In terms of efficiency, it's not a thing that most hospitals operate on like, for obvious reasons. I think there would be a lot of contention if there was a lottery system for who gets a hospital bed. In an emergency room situation, this approach typically isn't used just by nature of the fact that people are coming in with such a diversity of medical situations and conditions. It would be pretty tough to apply something like this. But in theory, I do find it really appealing just because I so adhere to that egalitarian thing in a lot of ways. Let's do the last school which is virtue ethics. So we've got another famous guy coming in on this one, Aristotle. He is a foundational thinker of virtue ethics. For Aristotle and virtue ethicists, right action is determined by how the virtuous person would act. Okay, so that sounds really abstract and confusing, but basically, how does the virtuous person act? How would we like realize that or mimic that? The virtuous person uses his capacity for deliberation to act without excess or defect. The virtuous person is able to identify like the important or relevant details of a situation and exhibit the correct emotions or actions for the given situation. So the other two were able to give you a codified way of acting in this scenario, do this. Virtue ethics says that that's impossible and something you can't really do. Instead, it's asking for you to be sensitive and exhibit judgment in each particular scenario. Sensitivity to particular details would seem to, in a medical triage type situation, advocate for case-by-case analysis, which eliminates the possibility for some kind of code of conduct. The problem is that It seems like a codifiable principle is exactly what you need in the case of medical emergencies because doctors are dealing with such urgent and severe situations that they have to be given some kind of guideline, right? Specificity in case-by-case analysis is really appealing, but it doesn't seem possible for an emergency situation and even seems irresponsible. It's almost unfair to place that kind of burden on individual doctors to be doing such a 
in-depth case-by-case analysis and that seems to be quite a burden when they're already trying to carry out their medical duties so saya thoughts on that one my first thought when i read your article which by the way this is all from her article if that wasn't obvious oh yeah Um, (laughs) wait just to make that clear this is all coming from a blog article on hotphilosophy.squarespace.com check it out anyways get back to it saya sorry brief interlude for (laughs) some promo my first thought upon reading this this morning in reality i think like it's interesting to think about all these things as if they're separate but we said like okay so most of the time they go for consequentialist approach to triage but we've already been saying that it's a huge burden on doctors because they're making these decisions which would imply that they are making individual decisions about who lives and dies right but then at the same time it is a first come first serve as well because it's like whoever gets to the emergency room is going to get attention medical attention and obviously we've already said that that's based off a lot of things that have to do with things other than like ethics and other than like just purely medical decisions like policy and healthcare access. So I think that in reality, not just with doctors, but with everybody who's making decisions in their lives, for me, I would say like I operate not consciously, but unconsciously on all three of these. Everyone more or less takes every situation in their life into consideration on a case by case basis. <laughs> Sky's frantically trying to get her either mom or dad to like go away. Okay, my dad has just started the laundry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, no, we fixed it. We are back in business. Tim has closed the laundry door, you guys. We are back in business. All right, Saya, get back to it. Apologies. No, my point is that like I think all three of these are relevant because most of the time you are trying to assess things on a case-by-case basis like it's impossible for anyone to operate on the empirical like code of conduct if that code of conduct doesn't apply to a situation you're not going to apply it i think case-by-case also makes sense but again as you said we can all agree humans are all equal so a kantian way of looking at things would be very logical but for practicality reasons i don't think any one of these wins over the other they all make sense it's hard to Again, we're not doctors in an emergency (laughs) room. We don't know what's going through their minds, but... Yeah, obviously, we're not medical professionals or medical ethicists, so we lack credibility on both fronts, but... On all fronts. On on all fronts. That's the point of this podcast, is to just be a platform for chill philosophy discussions, which is exactly (laughs) what Sai and I are somewhat successfully attempting to do. But like Sai said, when we think about this in practical terms... Can you really isolate each ethical school? Probably not. They're constantly interwoven and being used among one another because you can be taking a consequentialist approach, but coming at it from the baseline that all humans are equal and deserve equal treatment. But from there, you inevitably have to make those kinds of decisions. You might have to have some kind of metric for choosing one life over another. And then again, you're using that case by case analysis. Like Saya said, there's a lot of room for these theories to be brought together, but it's just like when we're studying them initially, it's interesting to think about them separately, but totally agree with Saya on that. Essentially, I would agree with Aristotle because what I'm saying is that you can't you can't have like an, a code that applies to every situation ever. So I suppose in some ways that means I do agree with Aristotle since I think that like things are not that simple. Here's my yeah. one major point against that. What if you have a malicious doctor? 
who for some right, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the problem is when you don't have codifiability and you're really depending on individual virtue and good deliberation and reasoning you're faced with the threat and expectation that everyone's virtuous and i think you can assume for the most part medical professionals are 100 percent that they yeah. i would argue are some of our most important and critical actors for any society that have studied so long and care a lot about their professions but again you never know the one-off scenario which is why codifiability makes sense with aristotle in general there's no room for considerations for if somebody does not operate on reason or if they have morals that are just objectively wrong he helps us out in some ways because he gives us like a general framework for the types of virtues he would accept but when you try to apply that to contemporary situations, it's not that clear cut. And there is, like you said, that room for that gray area on who defines what to be virtues and like which yeah. situations call for what. So it's definitely tough. This is a crazy time we live in. And I think it might be good to stop and think about what kinds of principles and virtues are behind all the things that are going on. That's one way to understand what's happening I mean, that's why I think it's interesting to think about something like triage, even if you're not a doctor or working in the healthcare space. This is so applicable to our everyday right now, and this is affecting directly the lives of people we really care about and just strangers that are also out there struggling with this. If you're sitting in your home and you have some free time, I think it would be helpful among doing other incredible volunteer things to just think about why at the highest levels of government decisions are being made as they are and kind of thinking through if you agree, disagree, and how you would do it better. I would say our conclusions from this podcast, just to wrap it up, there's three approaches, consequentialism, Kantianism, and virtue ethics. Each one has its pros and cons, and it's just a great place to start a conversation on ethics in the age of corona and this pandemic. Thank you for listening in to the pod. This was Hot Philosophy with Science Sky. We're super, super pumped that you listened to the first episode. Let us know what you want to hear about. And we're just grateful. We love philosophy. All right, Saya, some parting words. Um, stay safe, y'all. Sorry Ooh. that we subjected you to this. Very inspiring. Yeah. Always you inspiring words it. from Saya. All right, guys, stay safe, and we will be back soon with episode two.